Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Welcome, everybody. It's Friday. It's 1 p.m. on the West Coast. That can only mean one time. One thing, it's the Veteran Founder Podcast right here on the Startup Radio Network. I'm your host, Josh Carter. Uh, we have a great show. Returning guests, Matthew Griffin, Donna Lee. We're going to get right into it from Combat Flip Flops. What's, what's up, guys? What is going on? How are you? I can't you? even get out of my own fucking way. That's what it is. Uh, so, guys, welcome back. Really excited to have you back. For for those listening for the first time, if you're unfamiliar, we bring in these exciting guests that have one extra thing on their resume, and that is service to our country, uh, just like Matthew and Donald here. Uh, Griff and Donald, welcome to the show. Um, guys, talk a little bit about your entry into the military, because for some people, this is the first time they're hearing your story. So uh, Griff, if you want to start, kick us off. What, what was the sort of the impetus for you getting into the military and what did you do while you were there? Uh, so I was, you know, multiple generations, military family back to my great grandfather on World War One. Um, and my dad was a you know retired army guy. So it just seemed natural to go fit. Like I just grew up in that lifestyle. And you had the option of either get a job, get a scholarship, but we're not paying for your college was the thing. And it was, you know, so I went and did both and I got uh, accepted into West Point and I graduated from there in 2001 as an artillery officer. Um, I always thought the king of battle sounded a lot better than the queen of battle and uh, made my way through to special operations where I met up with Lee at 2nd Ranger Battalion. Nice. And what did you guys, where were you deployed uh, during that time? Uh, both of us did, uh, we had our first real, real suffer fest in November to December 2003 in Afghanistan. Uh, we did another one to Afghanistan together that following spring. And then Lee, uh, his time was up, so he left the Army. And so then I did one more to Afghanistan and then one more to Iraq. So I have, wow. between the two of us, we've got seven total tours. He did the uh, invasion of Iraq uh, before I got there. Why special ops? Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> like, why not, right? Yeah, well, honestly... Um, I, I when I enlisted in the in the uh, in the army, it was it was right after nine eleven. Um, you know, I was I was out of school already. I was working. I was doing my thing, and um, I enlisted. I, I turned twenty five in basic training, but when I enlisted, I enlisted with an option forty contract, a ranger contract, and I did that. You know, I was I was older. I was really you know twenty four, going to be twenty five. I turned twenty five in basic training, like I said, and um, I chose special operations because. I figured if if I was going to go and you knew, you know when you go into the army after 9/11 you know you're going to go fight you know you're going you know you know you're going to deploy um and I figured it, it sounds kind of kind of crappy but when when I enlisted I was in the mindset well if I'm going to go and I'm going to go fight I want to fight with with you know alpha male personalities meat eaters I want to fight with guys that are there to fight not guys that enlisted for college money Does that makes mm. sense <laughs> No totally yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I enlisted, but I, I enlisted in the mid '90s, so a little different time. Um, Griff, for you, what, when you when you enlisted or when you joined, um, what was your mindset going in? I mean, Donald, it was very clear what you why you joined and where your mind was. But for you, Griff, what was your mindset? 
It, you know, for me, it just seemed like a natural thing. It just, you know, it just in my family, everybody serves at some point in time. So that's what it, it is. You just, you just do service, whether you're in for five years or 20 years, you have to figure out something you like doing. And when I got into the army, I, I really, I, I saw a ranger demonstration and it blew my mind. And I was like, I want to go hang with those dudes. Like they're playing the song of my people. And I love math. I love physics. I like artillery, got to put it all together and was a you know fire support officer. And, you know, I graduated in 2001 before the GWAT, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, b- before September 11th and then five months later, like the world changed. Right. Wow. So it, it was just a really you know interesting spot to be in. Like you didn't think, I thought I was going to be like drinking beers on some cold war border, right. In Europe, but yeah. now like, Hey, we're going to go. And yeah. then just even solidified more my resolve to go be a part of the Rangers and the very, the same mindset that, you know, at least stated, like, if you're going to go, let's go all the way. Right. Let's, let's do this. Between the two, this is a question for both, but when you got deployed, what was the thing that surprised you the most? What was the thing that you, all the training in the world could have, could not prepare you for this one thing that you experienced when you got there? It's kind of a hard one. Um, I know I mine. I, I don't know mine. What, what's yours, Griff? I think I could pick yours, like just from knowing you. But mine is the poverty. Mm. Like, yeah, like you drive through, you know, tough areas with homeless people living on the street in your hometown, and you feel sad and you feel empathetic, and like how that person get there, right? And it's through a series of events they end up in that environment, and then you end up in these rural areas of Afghanistan and you see what poverty looks like. You see polio, you see disease, you see what they showed you on those commercials to donate 25 cents a day to a kid. And it's everywhere. Yeah. I guess I, I you know, I, I, I guess like, I guess I didn't, I guess I, I think it's the same thing, but in my mind, I didn't call it poverty. It was like to, to us, they're poor, right? To us, we see that as poverty. But the way they lived, the way I saw the, them living, it was it was a normal life, right? Like, um, and when when I got home, um, you know, when I got out of the army in two thousand five, I came home and you know, I went, I went, I went. You know, I was working at, at ad agencies and doing all that stuff. And one day, I just you know, it was a civilian job, and I just I had been out for maybe maybe a year, year and a half, and I was I was. You know, I, I got off work and I just had like a really crap day and I was kind of angry at the world. And I, and I went somewhere and, you know, this guy was sitting behind the desk and he, he asked me, he's like, hey, how's your day going? And, you know, my response, like, oh, it's a shitty day or whatever. And, you know, it's it's, you know, this and this and this. And it was, you know, the stuff I was rambling on about, like it didn't in, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't mean anything. But like um, the guy looked at me, you know, while I'm you know, just running my mouth about how shitty my day was. And he pushes himself back from the table and the guy's in a wheelchair and <laughs> he looks at me and he says, just think all I worry about is walking. Wow. And, and so there's a point to this though, right? Like I was like, I felt so tiny, right. When he said that I felt so small and I thought back to, you know, when we were deployed, you know, especially it was specific to Afghanistan where a lot of our days are food and water. Right. Like when I when, when we came out of Afghanistan after our deployments, it was food and water. Like we just needed food and we just needed water. And now, like, you know, I had forgot about that somewhere between the time I got out and the time I ran into that guy. And I had always, I had I had tried to keep that frame of mind 
you know, in the civilian life, like food and water, nothing else matters. Like my kids have food, water, and then, you know, roof over their head. But like, if you keep it simple, food and water, you know, that's how these people lived. And so that's why I said that Griff and I kind of saw it differently. Like they're used, as long as they have, you know, food and, and, and shelter, I guess, and their, their lives were simple to us. It seemed poor because of the conditions they lived in, but to them, it was their living. You know, we complicate our lives with all kinds of cell phones and technology and shit. And I don't know. So that's, that's no, my I, ramble about that's, that's me rambling about what I saw over there. I, I totally get that because, you know, I, like I said, I served, it, I, I, threaded, I threaded the needle between the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War. I got out in 97 and then we, we re entered, but, um, but I get that we pulled into Djibouti, Africa, and we were throwing away this old UHT milk that we had. And there were people going to the dumpsters to grab it out of the dumpsters it was probably the only fluid they were going to get into their bodies. So I think I totally relate to that because it makes you, and I went in, I, I went in at 17 because I graduated high school early and I was out before I was 21. And, uh, and I had went to Karachi, Pakistan, as you guys know, is not a great place to go and, uh, and seen some like really horrible shit, probably not as horrible as you guys did, but um, I went home and the th first thing I did was I drank out of a glass and I was yeah. so thankful to drink out of a glass and have like a real plate with real silverware. And yep. even there's, there's days today where I go, man, I'm so thankful I can drink out of this glass and not some plastic cup or some other makeshift thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Food and water. <laughs> Food, and water. Right. Food and water. Just remember that when, when you, when your day is yeah. shitty and it's, and you're having all kinds of first world problems, just remember food and water. That's it. Food and water. Yeah. That's right. When you guys got out, what was the transition like? I mean, you guys had seen some pretty horrendous stuff being in special forces, I would imagine. And you come out, what was that transition like and how difficult was it? It was for, so for me going, going back into the advertising space and the marketing world, whatever um, I was, it was really hard to deal with civilians. Um, it's it, well, civilians in the civilian workspace. It was, there is so much gray area in the civilian workspace and where, where Griff and I come from, you know, we, we we're used to accountability, like mm -hmm. big boys, you make a mistake, you own it. You say, this is what I'm going to do. It's never going to happen again. Or this is what I'm going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and in the civilian workspace, there's, you know, <laughs> you know, you have the yes men, you have these people, you have people that agree with, bosses and managers and owners of companies just to agree with them to, you know, to like to do the normal political, you know, ass kissing or whatever you want to call it. And, and it was funny because we, I would be in like senior manager meetings and you would see that you would see these people kissing the, kissing the owner of the company's ass and, you know, whatever. And I would look at them and, and, you know, the owner would be like, Hey, what do you think about this idea? And they'd, you know, I'll be like, Hey, that's a great idea. And I would be the only guy in the room that would look at him and say, hey, that's a stupid idea. We're going to lose money. Like, and it would blow people's minds and they weren't happy about it because I would call it as it is. And again, there's the gray area is what really bothered me. Um, that that's, that was one of the hardest transitions in a professional environment. Um, yeah. I mean, even still to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, we, you know, I'm working with Griff because, if we make a mistake, he's all, you know, he jumps in my shit. He, he's like, Hey, stupid. And you know, if he makes a mistake, it's, if he makes a mistake, it's the same thing. Like, Hey, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Griff, how was the, the uh, transition for you? Uh, you know, I said 
Yeah, I did what most guys did and like took the first job offered to me and I was super thankful for it. And I was a construction manager for a, uh, a national home builder. So like, all those tract homes you see throughout the Northwest, I worked for one called Centex and they were a really big one. And uh, it was nice because the, the recruiter focused on hiring like, you know, senior NCOs or junior military officers to run the job sites because they can run a plan. Right, they know how to deconflict, and when you're working in trades, building houses outside in the Northwest, you got a multitude of problems that you're dealing with. And that was a really good transition for me because it's still a rough and tumble industry. So, like Lee said, you can call somebody, "Hey, stupid! Like, what are you doing? Like, that's dumb." Um, but I had, I still had to be softer than I was in the Rangers, and I had a, a couple of really good mentors who were senior home builders who, you know, kind of took me under their wing and said, "Said, hey, man, like the military isn't." They don't hold, you know, the the staff of leadership. They're not the only place where you get leadership. There are good leaders that are out there in the world, in the business world, and you know, this is how you become one, right? And they really sat me down and, and had that stuff for me, and that was that was a really good transition. And then when the market crashed in two thousand and eight, uh, I went to work for a young startup in Seattle, where you know I was twenty nine years old, and I was the oldest dude in the company. And I had a ton of lifetime experience and here I am dealing with a bunch of, you know, hippie adventurer medic people, you know, doing medical training and, you know, putting clinics in far off places in the world. And so that was a, it was a stark change and had I gone from the military to that environment, I don't think that I would have survived. They probably would have kicked me out hmm. just, just, just on communication alone. Um, but that was a really great job to, to really learn more like contracting and business and big business proposals and going through the whole process. And, and then from there, I just picked out a couple of different jobs and you know, just kind of work my way up. And I always like the, the military, what the military does for, for people is it's every two years up and over. So every two years you graduate in responsibility and you move over in job title. So that way you diversify your skill set. Um, and I just, I've been super fortunate. I've landed a bunch of really good companies. And I learned a lot of good skills, which gave me the tools to start combat flip-flops. Yeah, let's talk about that. So combat flip-flops, mission-driven apparel. You guys do a lot in the, obviously in the footwear, but, footwear, but you guys do other things as well. What was the, what, what drove you to start combat flip-flops? Um, you know, so in that job at Remote Medical, I got to travel all over the world. And I, I had this military mindset, like from West Point and all these other things, like the military and security is the way that you, you know, promote safety in, in a community. And when I was going to these places, I didn't have armed guards, escorts, guns. I had to go places to get my job done and be safe and get home to my family. And what I found was that small businesses, like grocery stores and restaurants and like the little cell phone dealer on the corner, right? Those guys are the ones that promote security the best because they don't want anything happening to their business. Anything bad for business is bad for family. And all the areas that were the safest were the ones that had the most flourishing small businesses where there wasn't prosperity, you know, there was security issues. And so the mindset, it kept getting shown to me in every country that I went to. And the thought is, is well, why aren't we putting more entrepreneurs and business leaders in these communities Long story short, I ended up in a uh, combat boot factory in Kabul, Afghanistan, and the factory manager told me that they were going to go out of business when the war ended, and he made a joke kind of product, uh, combat boot sole with a flip-flop thong punch through it, and I called Lee and said, hey, man, we need to find this domain, combatflipflops.com, and Lee bought it for two ninety nine, and that was the, the evolution of our company. We had no footwear manufacturing experience 
very minimal e-commerce online experience and we had no idea how to make a shoe. So, you know, it's good. Yeah. Just figured it out. Figured it out. Yeah. There's a great uh, quote on your website that you talk about uh, from the aid Afghanistan for education. Um, and it's the director and says, when we educate a woman, we educate a family, unless we educate the Afghan population, there will be no peace. How important is this, uh, this charity to your mission um, with your business in, in tandem to your business? Um, it's, it's just tough to say, right? Cause we just spend all day in front of computers and we like make cool photos and we put stuff online and everything else like that. But it's, there was there a couple of moments, like when we were on shark tank, we we're shipping product and we're, you know, we're getting into the warehouse and we're printing out orders and the order sheets are going on forever. And it's a really good problem to have. And we're all in there like moving heavy boxes, packing shipments, loading shipments out, and then like pushing it all to the back door right for the truck to pick it up and just staring at that pile and like, Holy crap. Like that's five little girls going to school for a year. And that's just kind of how we look at things in the company. When we look at like marketing expenses or whatever, you know, it's like how many more girls can we put to school for a year if we saved ourselves here or we made more over here. And it's, it's just the driver, right? Cause we firmly believe that literacy is going to solve a lot of the security problems we have. And it's not hard or impossible to teach every human being on this planet how to read. Like it's yeah. totally, it's totally doable. And if we do it in Afghanistan, then you can prove it's possible to the rest of the world. Everybody can do it. Lee, when you, when you, when you heard this call from, from Griff about starting a combat flip-flop company, what was your first thought? <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. It was always, we, we, that's the, look, it, it was, it, our relationship was odd because he was the officer and I was, I was an enlisted dude. Right. But it, it was, it was, was kind of taboo. The lowest enlisted dude on my team. It was <laughs> no, no, dude, we had no green fudge, bro. I came in like six <laughs> months after. <laughs> um, we, it, it, like you know, it's taboo, right? Officers don't don't fraternize with with enlisted dudes, but we fucking we fraternized all the time. Like, <laughs> and we talked about starting businesses when we got out and all that good stuff. So, you know, we he said, "All right, we're going to do this." I said, "Okay, sign me up. Like, let's go." We're, <laughs> you know, hold my beer. Let's let's get this thing started. Um, there was no hesitation. I mean, we were. I was. You know, we were we were both entrepreneurial at heart. Um, so it, it was, it was it was kind of just a no brainer. Like, we're going to do this. Nice. Yeah. We've been talking to Matthew Griffin and Donald Lee of Combat Flip Flops. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back right after this. This hour of the Startup Radio Network is supported by Bridges to Change. Bridges to Change's mission is to strengthen individuals and families affected by addictions, mental health, poverty, and homelessness. They use their voice and resources to stand up to all forms of discrimination, mass incarceration, barriers to health care, and inequitable economic opportunities. Bridges to Change's goal is to empower people to be self-sufficient and become members of the community, who in turn offer the same opportunities to help others. They strive to have everyone leaving their organization with stable housing, social support, sustainable employment, education, access to healthcare, family engagement, and goals for the future. To get involved, donate, or to get help, make sure to visit www.bridgestochange.com. And 
And we're back. We've been talking to Matthew Griffin and Donna Lee of Combat Flip Flops. We've been sort of talking about the start of the business. Uh, what I what I want to try to understand is the the connective tissue between you guys as seasoned operators and then going into being entrepreneurs. What do you think set yourselves up within the military and your careers in the military to be good entrepreneurs? It's the work ethic that 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 you get. I mean, look. So work ethic, work ethic isn't something you can teach somebody. They're either born with a good work ethic or they're not, right? But the things you learn in the military is you do your job. You if if you're doing a job, you keep going until it's done. For me, that like it, that's our our day is like that. It, we don't we're not done until we're done, um, and that that really helped us a lot, especially early on, like. You know, Griff sitting in Griff sitting in front of giant spreadsheets and figuring shit out and how to do whatever we got to do. You know, along with our our partner Andy and you know, and same with me. We just our heads are down and we're knocking things out. You know, a lot of people sit and wait wait for things to come to them, but it, we've we've you know when when things have slowed down for us um, because of I guess it was built into us or whatever. I, I guess it's contradicting what I said earlier about teaching good work ethic, but it's just, um, <laughs> it's, we, we just kind of kept going. We, yeah. we didn't sit and wait for things to happen. We, we pushed it forward. Like I remember Griff used to, Griff used to say, I'm going to pull this shit over the finish line. If I have to, let's hurry the fuck up and get things done, you know? And we just worked at yeah. it and worked at it and worked at it and made mistakes and learned from our mistakes and pivoted. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to say like it's the figure it outness. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like I remember one time we were in Afghanistan. I can't remember. If, I don't think you were on this deployment, Lee, but there was a new technology that we got to use with the AC one hundred and thirty gunship, right? And uh, like it, people have been talking about it for years, and they finally finally like showed up in our in our plywood hooch in Afghanistan, and somebody goes, "Here it is," right? And like toss us the manual and like, all right, that's, that's cool looking. Like what's it do? And the guy talks us through it and like, has anybody used it yet? And they're like, no, but you're about to, cause you're about to give a demonstration for like international diplomats on this like technology in two days <laughs> on a, on a live range in Afghanistan. Right. Nice. And they're like, what? And they're like, yeah, the fucking, you know, the foreign military leaders are flying in and you've got to run this in 48 hours. And like, we've never even powered this thing up. And, and so it was a matter of like, okay, hey, somebody go down and go, go get a hold of the pilots and their crew chief. Tell them we need to freaking have a meeting in an hour. Like, we're going to be down on the airfield in two. Like, we're going to be you know, figuring this stuff out so we can get it off the ground. Then you guys are going to get the bird up in the air as soon as the sun goes down. And we're going to test this thing out tonight and go. And like, hey, you go get the range open for us so we can go, like, make sure this thing works. Get the time. Push anybody who's in our way off the calendar. Like, this is top priority. Go. And in 48 hours, like we had our youngest guys on the team using this technology in front of foreign military leaders and showing them what this thing is capable of doing. And it's, it's just, that's what it is in business is like, holy crap, you know, we've got this wave coming with Shark Tank. We need to convert over our, 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 shop, our online purchasing platform from one to another. And none of us know how to use the new platform. But it was like, okay, like here's the instruction manual, start to finish, read from left to right, top to bottom, follow the steps right go and we did it right and that's it just figured outness there's so many people who wait and they want to hire a consultant and they want to do this or do that instead of just like opening the internet and searching on google and trying to figure out how to do it on their own yeah 
No, it makes a lot of sense. Talk about that experience on Shark Tank. What was uh, what was surprising about that that experience? You want to know the most surprising thing? <laughs> yes, Griff. I want to know the most surprising thing. <laughs> There's no music. <laughs> what? No music. There's no music, right? You know, you you like you. We watched all the episodes. We rehearsed thousands of times, right? And you're like, dun 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 dun. Dun, dun, like as you're walking out yeah right like you're expecting you're to like walk out on stage <laughs> and you're expected to be pumped up oh, i'm going for it and you walk out and it's like a like nothing you hear somebody like shuffling like, like you're a like, wwe wrestler or something yeah like, it's like well, <laughs> that's what we expected with the music yeah. right you expect to walk out and be like all pumped up and it's just quiet as hell you can hear a mouse fart <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it was super fun like uh long story we got invited to be on the show uh, we didn't even apply which was cool um like our our pr lady kate she did a great job and then Wes seiler from uh, gizmodo at the time now he's at outside he wrote this amazing article about us it's probably the best written article anybody's written about us to date yeah um like nobody's touched that and it just drove huge engagement one of the producers saw it and called us and we got on and then we dropped everything that we were doing in prime selling season, like in spring of 2015, we focused no effort on sales whatsoever. And we just started training in the same way that we would train to do a high value mission for the Rangers. And, uh, we went down there, pulled it off. Like as soon as we were successful, got the heck out of Dodge and considered it a successful raid. It was fun. Yeah. What was, uh, what was the result as far as, uh, the sales, how, how big of a bump did you guys get out of that? ginormous it was yeah. huge it for yeah i mean you have to consider that you know up up to this point you know our marketing budget consisted of you know whatever dollars we could s- squeak out of credit cards and whatever that was whatever was there and you know whatever we can turn from the sales that we had generated um and you know having having this giant media event for us it was it was it was this huge huge pivot i mean when we when we're sitting there like Picture this, right? We had we had like a talk set up. We had a, a command center set up, and we were we were sitting in there. Um, you know, essential personnel was 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 in that room, and you know, a hundred to two hundred of our closest friends were in the other rooms in the building watching. You know, we had like three, two or three viewing stations set up, and you know, they're all watching the stuff, and we're we're locked into this fishbowl with just laptops open, making sure nothing went wrong. I mean, we were. You know, you see a lot of stories that come out of Shark Tank where, you know, somebody gets gets a deal and the night they're airing, they go have this big, you know, big extravagant party. And and then they go back to their computer the next morning. They find out their site crashed and they made zero money, like zero dollars. No, not us. Like we were I think I think we had maybe did some live streams out of there and we were watching everything and, you know, watching the numbers. You know, we had all the analytics open and we're just watching thousands of people, tens of thousands of people hitting the site going in there buying at once. Um, and this, I think that the traffic carried over for a good 24 hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we have, yeah, you have the obvious spike, right? We see, you know, you see the East coast spike come in and then you watch it roll through the rest of the country hour by hour. And, um, the East coast spike was the most impressive one because it was just, it was so huge. Um, you know, it was probably the the population density or, or whatever on the East coast, but, it was it was nutty watching this, and we were just like, wow. yeah, we were we were we were very very happy when when we saw that. Like this, it was it was 
you know, it, it, at the time it was, it was one of those life changing moments at the time it was life changing. Cause it was, it was watching this idea that we had and, and this idea that almost failed, you know, so many times because we're trying to manufacture products in, in, in a, in a combat zone. Um, and finally, you know, this event happens and we realize like, this can work, <laughs> you know, this can work. Yeah. We always, Griffin, I always, we have an ongoing joke and when, when something happens or something works, we're always like, holy shit, they fell for it. You know? <laughs> we always, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, like it could be the most inappropriate time or, you know, like we always look at each other like, fuck, they fell for it. <laughs> so it was, it was one of, it was one of those moments where we just kind of looked at each other like, holy shit, they fell for it. But hilarious. But again, it's a joke. It's you know what I mean. It's it's one of those things where we just look at each other and we we say that. I mean, if if somebody didn't know us, they would hear that and they'd think it was really inappropriate. But yeah, that's funny. Our customers are awesome now. Like that's honestly, it's the best part of our day. Is like all those people that supported us and saw us and like the kind of messages we got from you know old veterans, Vietnam era, older veterans, like military spouses. Um, gold star wives, gold star kids, gold star parents, like right on, keep doing this. This is awesome. And so to get that affirmation from that community, like during that time frame, as we struggled so hard to get there, it was, it was super affirming. What did you learn from that process? What do you think you took away that you wish you would have done, or you would have known earlier before going through that process that you would have done? Well, there's a, there's a lot of those. Um, even, yeah. even now we've been, you know, even, even in the last six months, we are still saying we should have done things this way at that time. Um, I mean, right down to, you know, right down to the way our site is laid out, right down to the way we market, right down to the product offering, you know, it's, it's a business It's growing, living and breathing. And, and if, if you stop moving forward with your business, you eventually start moving backwards. So, you know, at the time, what we did in, in, with our with our limited footwear manufacturing experience and and figuring out how to sell footwear and and try and you know be competitive in in a very in a in a very uh, saturated market, um, you know there's I, I don't think I could nail really one thing down. There's just there's so much stuff that comes out of a living breathing business. You know when you especially when you had an event like like a shark tank or, you know, most recently, like in December, we had another, you know, we had a, a CBS piece that aired and it was, it was, what was, it was two and a half minutes, but it was, it was on the scale. The performance of that spot was, I think on the scale, if not bigger than shark tank and shark tank was a nine minute event. Wow. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of these things that, you know, Griff, Andy, and myself, we, we're, we're constantly pivoting based on our findings and our learnings and, you know, the way our company's growing and, and just what we see, you know, keeping our finger on the pulse of the business and the market. Yeah. It's like, to quote the old Rumsfeld, is the unknown unknowns, right? <laughs> it's like you get into entrepreneurship and business and like, you're not even thinking about the questions for something that's going to go wrong until it goes wrong. You're like, man, I didn't even know that was something that could go wrong. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, we, we got on shark tank and we processed significantly more revenue than we ever had in our entire company history. And our merchant processor calls us and tells us they're holding, you know, 75% of the funds. (laughs) But that's holding the funds. Well, because like their job is risk mitigation, right? They don't want to make sure we're taking out a ton of money under fraudulent concerns. And like, we're not going to ship the product to customers. Right. So, 
like it was a two to three day negotiation as we were like trying to get our manufacturers up and running as we're trying to buy materials as we're trying to because we we aired february 6th 7th and we and that in 24 hours we back ordered our production at full capacity to the end of may wow right that's bananas like we were full the people had to wait three months for their flip-flops our first customers had to wait 15 months for their flip-flops like after purchase again our customers are awesome but like we wouldn't even have thought that our merchant processor was going to hold all of that money that we were counting on to actually run our business functionally. It's the unknown unknowns. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's you, the ability to pivot and negotiate and go, go after what you need. Yeah. You talked a little bit about your growing company and you guys have grown your staff since you were on the program last time. Talk a little bit about culture. I mean, you, you and Donald and Andy, uh, you guys all have, it's very mission driven. How important was that culture, the why and all that stuff? How important was that to instill in, in people that were coming into the company that were new, that hadn't gone through some of the, the, the hurdles that you guys had gone through to get to the point that, they're, that you're at now? Well, you know, we actually, so this is, this is interesting, right? Um, we, we had one of, one of the, the people that's still with us. He, he started kind of as a contractor type of a project kind of guy, but he was 16 when he started this. And this is, we're talking really, or I think he was, has Zach been with, with us since since the very beginning, Griff? Very beginning. The very beginning. He was 16 years old. He was in the video editing and stuff like that. And, you know, his it, it's awesome because his parents were like a little worried about, you know, the career path he was taking and stuff like that. And, and we were just kind of like, no, he's really good at what he does. And... So this, this 16 year old kid, Griff's like, well, you know, I'm going to go run with the bulls in Spain. I want, I want to document this. So Zach gets on a plane and goes to Spain and videotapes Griff running with the bulls. I mean, there's, he literally hopped in the street with me, 18 years old at the time. Yeah. 18 at the time. Yeah. He was, he was 18 at the time. Like literally like I ran it the first day and he watched it and he goes, all right, I'm hopping in there with you tomorrow like <laughs> set of balls on this kid. Right. Like, and, but now like we've been to six, seven countries together. Like he's got a couple tattoos that, you know, that have paid for. Right. And it's, it's, it's fun. Like it's, it's like, we're, we're a get it done company. Right. And it's a matter of like, we're always going to take care of our customers. Our customer service, Jill, who happens to be Zach's mom, right. Our video guy, his mom works for us and she runs our customer service department. And like, all we know is like, we take care of our customers no matter what, like that's all that's going to matter is they're going to, they were, every time they touch our company, I want them to come away smiling every time. And she's just managed that. Right. And Zach is like, every time you shoot a video, it's got to look super hot. You got to make the customer like think when they wear our products, they're going to feel good about themselves. Know that they're going to feel good about themselves when they wear our product, like make it look like that. Right. And in the end, like when we sell this is like every month when we put forward a reports, like how, how many girls did we put to school last month? Right. Everybody's mm-hmm. stoked on it. Yeah. That's amazing. You, you guys have a, a great shirt that I, I don't know why I don't have one yet, but it says be a better human. And it's a great mantra. How, when you, when you guys are hiring somebody, how much of that culture of the new people, uh, how quickly does it, do they assimilate into your guys's culture? Cause I mean, I, I would think that somebody coming into your company would be, mildly intimidated to realize that their co-founders were special ops people and now they're growing a you know very military theme thematic product how intimidating is it for people new people to come into your company and and just kind of hit the ground running (laughs) all right let me say this right If, if, if 
if somebody's trying to work with us or get a job or, or, or be hired by Combat Flip Flops, if they haven't researched the company and know who we are and they get there and they don't realize that, there's a problem. They're probably not going to get hired. Right. Sure. I mean, if Fair. anytime you if you go if you go for work, I mean, I don't care if you're going to to work, you know, at, at, at a manual labor job or a, a tech firm, you know, whatever, you're going to do some research on where you're getting hired. But for, for the most part, like we have we have I, I'll call it a family like we have a family around us. We're very we're we're very um, we're a very tight knit group, um, even even down to our 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 product models and the people you see on our website, there are people like they, you know, there's, there's a couple of them that served in the Rangers with us. There's some that, that just live in, live around, you know, where, where the business is based out of. And they are all like, everybody is vibing on the same, on the same wavelength. Like everybody wants to make the world a better place. Everybody understands like, you know, is, is kind of no bullshit kind of a person like, they they run the same mindset that Griff, Andy, and myself, and Jill and Zach run. It's it's really it's a really odd thing because if if you saw us together, you you would you it would kind of throw you off. It yeah. would I think it would throw you off if you saw all of us sitting in a room together. You'd be like, like what is this? Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, it's, so my, what my is this? You know, <laughs> my girlfriend uh, Lee and I went out to the Army Navy game in Philadelphia this year, and like he landed at the same time my girlfriend landed. She came out for the event too, so they had to wait in the airport for like an hour and a half till my flight landed. And like her first comment to me, she's like, "I can't believe you fuckers are best friends. Like you two <laughs> shouldn't be further apart." Right? And that was like that was her first comment to me. And I was like, "Yeah, it just works." It is what it is. I mean, there are times that like we want to punch each other in the neck and like sometimes there's wrestling involved, but like we, we work it out. Um, yeah. But I think it's, it's, you know, in the same mantra, which Lee and I joined the military, if you want to come work for us, right. In the same way that Lee and I saw the Rangers and like, Hey, if we're going to go do it, I want to go do it. Right. right. I'm not going to go do it halfway. And if, if you're the person who wants to freaking go all in and have at it right day after day, be in the fight and, you know, there are times we, we, we joke around, like it gets pretty dicey in the company running a small business. And we call that like knife fight in a phone booth range. Like you're in a knife fight in a phone booth in your business and you've got to make it happen. Like there ain't no way out other than you just being meaner and willing to work harder than the other person. And that's just it. Like that's the mentality. Like Jill, our, you know, our team mom, like she is relentless on finishing a project. Zach is relentless on finishing a project. Andy, like I can't even talk about how hard that guy works. Lee, the same. Like everybody gets after it, and it's just the kind of company. If you're going to come, you're going to work, right? And it's it's yeah. fun. I mean, it's not bad work, but it's just a lot of work. <laughs> sure. No. I, yeah. I, I you know entrepreneurship is hard, right? I think we've seen that constantly and we've talked to people it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life is be an entrepreneur there are so many turns and twists and and you're up one minute and then you're down and you're like the sun's not coming up tomorrow and then they're like <laughs> we're spitting you know double rainbows all of a sudden like it's just such a roller coaster ride of emotions it's not it's not uh, how can i explain it? like we've been we've been we've been so close to failure so many times like we we We've we've been close to failure so many times, and 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 just having that being able to sit and laser focus, like like Griff said, is is has been very very crucial to us doing the things that we've been able to do. Um, it it uh, yeah, it, it gets it gets really dicey, like Griff said, but you know ultimately, like the people we have around us 
are are the reason you know the people we have around us and the way we work and the way we run the business is is why we are still here i mean there's been we've been told by so many people that we are going to fail like this like what this idea is yeah okay sure you know they they smile and they tell you how great it is and then when they walk away they're like these guys aren't going to make it <laughs> you know but you know well, you, let's talk yeah let's talk a little bit about the challenges right now right obviously they're the big elephant in the room is there's a pandemic going um how has that impacted your business? Uh, you know, like it, it's, it's odd because, you know, some industries are really struggling right now and other industries are doing well. Like um, we think m more people have more time now to sit down and research their, their purchases of what they're buying and from where and the, and the missions behind it just because they have more time online and they're at home. And, I've, you know, we've seen just a lot more people come into our website. We've seen our social media action improve. Like, it's been a good year for us. Um, you know, we, we struggled, too. Like, we didn't know how things were going to go. Like, we made some tough calls early on when we thought everything was going to shut down. Um, but, you know, we were able to, to write the ship really quickly. And, you know, we just made the decisions and saying, hey, if we want to have a company to return to, we need to make some certain tough calls. And it was really tough for everybody. Um, but then, you know, things kind of turned around and we started doing well. And, you know, the, the challenge for us has been just our manufacturing because we manufacture in so many different countries and so many people have different quarantine requirements that it's been a really a balance for us to be able to steadily deliver product to support the customers that are finding, finding their way to our website now. Nice. Yeah. With, with that new challenge, what do you think, how, how do you pivot? I mean, obviously people are coming to your website, but what, what sort of challenges are you faced with and how have you overcome them? I think, I think all of our challenges have been, have been on the production and, and the, and the, yeah. the on logistics, right. Um, you know, we've had, let's just, let's see our flip-flop manufacturer um, that's in Colombia, right. Our facility in Colombia, um, you know, they're on, they're on like these rolling shutdowns or whatever, where certain parts are, are shut down for certain amounts of time. And, so we're, we're effectively dead in that time. Like we're not manufacturing anything. So, well, and, anyway, it, and, and, it, and it rolls in different areas between components, like our outsole manufacturers in one section of town, you know, there are EVA manufacturers in another and our leather, right? So it's a rolling schedule from where we source everything. So it's been really hard to put all the bits and parts and pieces together. Yeah. And, and this is, this is where, you know, Griff mentioned the way Andy is, how, how crazy he is when he's, when he's working on stuff and, you know, he, he's, he's putting that piece of the puzzle together and, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but gee, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Like figuring all that stuff out and moving, moving all those pieces together. It gets, it gets pretty gnarly in a foreign um, language. Yeah. In a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing with, you know, with that, with Afghanistan, getting our, 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 our products out of Afghanistan. It's the same thing. It's, it's, that's, that's more of a logistical piece, right? We, you know, it's, it's got to leave Afghanistan. Then, you know, we're watching it. We're watching it bounce around. Yeah, and he's watching. Azerbaijan, Djibouti, like it bounces all over. They're finding the only planes between here and there. It's hilarious. Yeah, so you know, you'll see our product land in like five different countries before it gets anywhere near the U.S. Wow. Um, I think that's the that's the challenge. I think that's that is that is our challenge right now. Yeah, but going yeah. back to it, like being able to put it in scale, like, hey guys, you got to wait two weeks until the next shipment comes in. Like just sign up for the notification list. We'll put you on there. Like yeah. you'll notice, it, it, like it used to be three months or fifteen months. Like in scale, 
like in the middle of a pandemic, delivering every two weeks is not a bad deal. <laughs> not at all. Nice. Yeah. Griff, you have a book out. It's called uh, Rise of the Unarmed Forces. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that book. Uh, it's an interesting little book. It was a, a forced literary exercise. Um, Amazon was going to put us on the front page of their Amazon brands website on Black Friday. And we had nowhere near enough inventory to sell to support that kind of marketing initiative. And we thought like, hey, what would be you know, something we could sell in an infinite quantity? And it was a book, right? And everybody's been asking us to just tell our tale. And so the the book covers from, you know, kind of the genesis of combat flip-flops to uh, right after Shark Tank. Um, so the first three, three, four years of our company um, and how we got to where we're, you know, where we started to really turn the corner and really started making a dent in the mission. So th- how how's the book done since? Uh, did really well. The reviews on Amazon are great. Um, if people want to go, like right now, we know a lot of people have time on their hands with COVID. And this goes back to the comment I made earlier about people researching their products is we offer the book, audiobook and ebook for free on our website. So you just go and download it and you can like hear the story yourselves. If you don't like the F word, I would not download the book, download the book though. <laughs> I, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. The book is called Rise of the Unarmed Forces. Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, I still need to, to read it. I've I, it's funny. I'm yeah, one of those guys that are like, I, I am so excited to have so much time on my hands because I'm going to get so much done around my house and I've gotten nothing done, which yeah. is great. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Well, you can also find it free on our website and the audiobook is good too. So if you're commuting or not commuting or on a road trip, like with friends, like it's, it's entertaining. I promise. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the future for combat flip-flops? You guys have obviously expanded your, your breadth of products beyond just flip-flops or shoes, there's shirts and hoodies and all kinds of stuff. What, what, what do you, where do you see, where do you envision combat flip-flops in the next five to 10 years? Lee, I'm going to leave that one to you, buddy. Oof. On, honestly, we, we've, all the things that we've wanted to do, there's, it, it's going to sound really cheesy and, and kind of cliche because we're, a, you know, mission date, a mission driven company, but, um, we've always we've always said let's just go through this and and do as much good as we can in the world i i mean the best the best part of the day for me is when um my daughter's sitting next to me and the 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 shopify sale chime goes on my phone and she looks at me and says dad you daddy you put another little girl in school like oh wow that's crazy like that's that's super crazy that you know she's five well she turned six today um and she she understands that um, that, that's a really crazy thing because, you know, there's, she understands it's, it's little girls going to school and they don't have the same opportunities that she has And you know, for a five-year-old, that's a really, really huge concept to grasp. So for me, it's, you know, let's, let's, let's do what we're doing. Let's scale this thing and let's do as much good in the world as we can. Um, and you know, <laughs> I just hope it didn't sound too cheese, but that's, that's really where, where we're coming from. Um, Hell, I, te- I teared up Lee, man. Then you told that really well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, being somebody that has a little girl, I, I, you know, I, it's, um, it's a different feeling and I totally get what you're saying, Lee. I mean, like this is, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a product, but with a purpose. And I think, and on top of that, you guys have a really solid, loyal community and every entrepreneur I've ever talked to who make their customers, the focus and the mission, the focus, they're successful. And, you know, I'm talking like Schmidt's Jamie Schmidt from Schmidt's natural, who one time uh, asked a customer to 
send her her shirt because she said the product stained her shirt. So Jamie went and got it cleaned herself. Like it's those kind of commitments and things that you do as an entrepreneur that people don't understand because it's not the things that you do to sort of wave your hand and pat yourself on the back. It's just, it's just part of your core. It's just part of your ethos. And so um, I, I apologize. I, I appreciate everything you guys have done. And, and I'm a bit, and I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Um, I, where, where can I people find you? Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I just, I, I have to say like, you know, one of the things that, that we found over the last couple of years is that people are becoming numb to these, to these, these mission-based things and, and just through our marketing and, and, you know, the way that we're pushing the company, like, you know, we don't care. We don't, we, we don't care if you know that we're out there helping people. We just, right. we know that we're doing it. I mean, it's, you know, we, we, we have a section on the site that's, that's, you know, that tells a little bit about what we do um, and who we help. But, you know, in the end, we just, we figure we just go out and do it. You know, there's no need, you know, quiet professionals. There's no, we, you know, it, it's there, but we're not, we're not blasting it anymore. Um, we're just going to go out and do it. And, and that's what we're yeah. doing. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's great, and I've been a big fan of your, you guys for a while. I mean, I was at Patriot Bootcamp for a long time, and I know Griff, you came and spoke, and uh, it's uh, this is great. I'm glad to see that you guys are growing so much. It's amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. You can find the product at combatflipflops.com, and then uh, you know across social, we're just at combatflipflops. I love it. I love it, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show again, and uh, you know, please uh, keep us posted on your progress and and where we can be helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for us. yeah, of course. You've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast right here on the Startup Radio Network. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Listen, learn, get shit done. Later, guys. Later. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.